We help entrepreneurs who have proven business models, revenue generating, you know, solid vision and goals. Basically, we help take the day-to-day -day off their plate. We help manage that so that our clients can go and focus on the things in their business that really they're good at. That's why OBMs are great, because we love systems. This is what we thrive on. It's like, if you, you have to also be really aware of your best output in your business, right? So if it means going to conferences and showing up and getting business, you actually have to commit to doing more of that. So I find that a lot of the times an entrepreneur will bring on an OBM and they sort of just expect like more revenue and more profit, but they're not really changing their behavior. They're not then taking that time and going out and getting more business or creating that product that they wanted to launch or writing that book or whatever it is that only they can do in their business. They're maybe not doing enough of that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to the Business Brilliance Podcast, where every week we talk to business owners and entrepreneurs and get to know their business brilliance and share it with you. I am your host, Michael Santanato, and I'm a business owner and entrepreneur myself, and I just love talking business. Not like big corporate conglomerate business, but real grassroots, everyday people business. So if you're like me and you want to know what makes business owners successful and brilliant, and you love the journey of the entrepreneur from nothing to something, then join us every week and share it with a friend as we peel back the brilliance and implement it in our life and business. Now let's get on with the episode. Welcome everyone to the Business Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Michael Santanato, and we have a great episode here for you today. We've got Sarah Noked on the line with us, and she is the founder of the Confident OBM community. What's an OBM, you ask? It is an online business manager, something I am so totally sure that many of you could use. I had to bring Sarah on the podcast today so that we could talk to her about what is an online business manager and how can they help and what kind of great value can they add to us as business owners here in our community and how can they help us scale and grow our business and take all the stuff off our plates we don't like to do, we're not good at doing and we should not be doing. So as I mentioned, Sarah is the founder of the Confident OBM community. She loves to travel and she also loves horticulture. <laughs> and and you used to live in Toronto at one point where I am from right now. So we're going to find out about all of that. Her superpowers are systems, hiring, teams, organizing, and managing projects. And if that sounds like a dream come true for you, then it is. So let's get into it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's awesome to be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> this is going to be another one of those episodes where it is partially for selfish gain. <laughs> <laughs> so I know a little bit about OBMs because, you know, thanks to you, I've, I've done some research and I came across your website, but my audience needs to know what is an OBM? That's a great question that I get asked all the time. So basically an OBM is an online business manager. We help entrepreneurs who have proven business models, revenue generating, you know, solid vision and goals. Basically, we help take the day-to-day -day off their plate. 
when it, whether it's project management, managing the team, managing operations, managing launching, all of that stuff, we help manage that so that our clients can go and focus on the things in their business that really they're good at, that nobody else can do. And those are usually the things that are closest to the money, things that only our clients can do. So I like to call those focusing on the revenue generating parts and pieces of their business and leave the rest to somebody else. So not to be confused with a virtual assistant who is more focused on implementing things Whereas an OBM is more focused on managing, so we'll manage a VA on a team and various other contractors such as, you know, maybe your podcast editor, your VA, your, you know, if you have a graphic designer or a developer. So we're managing the team. We're making sure that your goals and visions are being carried out to a place where, you know, we can all be really proud and happy to be part of the business. And that's really the, the brains of the OBM. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So they kind of sound like a bit of a Swiss army knife, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really cool. But also it sounds like they, you know, can deal with a lot of the back end stuff, a lot of the systems that will bog. I know for me, it'll bog me down. If I get too into the details and the technical stuff, it'll yeah. just take me out of my element. So it sounds like they will take away that burden of the system. So how do they do that exactly? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to helping our entrepreneurs scale, I find that one of the main sort of things that are keeping the entrepreneur back from even getting beyond a three-person team is the fact that they have nothing documented. They don't even really know where their systems live. The team is pretty dysfunctional. I mean, albeit sometimes it feels very functional, but let's say somebody has to take a leave of absence or somebody goes on holiday, then you sort of start to see where all the cracks are in the systems and the cracks are perhaps in the way that that person was doing it. Nobody else knows what she was doing. And now we're sort of left, you know, having to take a lot of time and energy away from the things that are really going to get us to where we want to go. And that can be really frustrating for our clients. And I honestly find that when I speak to entrepreneurs and, and having been an OBM for many years, when I speak to, to a lot of clients, that's what they're sort of stressed out about. It's, it's not feeling like they can actively delegate because they're either maybe not, I don't think it's really about trust, but I think it's more about a lack of control. So with properly crafted systems and a clean virtual office space, one can really thrive in their business and really focus on the things that they love doing in their business, which is definitely not everything, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, but tell me, Michael, like, what are some of the things that you're really um, frustrated about doing in your own business? Yeah, this is so great. And, and I'm really glad you brought this up because I was going to dive in anyway. Let's, <laughs> take, let's take, for example, this podcast, okay? Right. So I will, you know, do the interview and record, obviously, and then I'll create uh, notes for like highlights or things that I thought were great that should be in the highlight reel, maybe like audio pieces to edit out or fix. And I'll put that in like a document. And then I have someone on Upwork who's in another country who does the audio editing, which is great. But even that, there needs to be a process there. Like they need to know to leave this much space for the highlight reel and insert the ad spot here and then put the outro a certain way. And there's all these little pieces. So for me, where I know I'm wasting time is in fine tuning the highlight reel. And then I just say, oh, I'll just do it myself. 
because it's easier right. and quicker, right? So I've kind of learned an audio editing program, you know, when I first started out several months ago, and I find I'm wasting a lot of time going back and forth with the person of what the highlight reel should be like and the duration of the episode, and there's no formula or system for that. Right. So how much of the system is documented? I don't know what that even means. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, one, so how long would you say the whole system takes you? Like how long do you spend editing, um, putting the, you know, doing all the parts and pieces, including delegating and communicating with anybody, any party involved? Yeah, it's probably three hours per episode, including the interview. And then if I go off and I start to control it and want to do it myself – then I'm right. just I'm just in a hole and I'm, I'm just so spending for another, how long? another like what are you saying like five six hours yeah I would say five hours is there any part of that that has to be done by you because I, I sort of hear like the there's is there an aspect that you need to have control of like something that that is really front-facing to the market that has your special sauce just the interview and just the interview and then the highlight reel for me like that's the beginning of the episode that's the first thing people hear so that's the first impression so i really right. like the highlight reel to be tight and on point and engaging so how long does the highlight reel take part take you in this whole system well like i said if i go off and i start doing it myself then that'll suck so a few hours yeah so that yeah. could take you like two hours exactly so so then you could say that you know recording the one hour long interview plus the the reel is like let's say three hours tops Mm -hmm. that's all you focus on. So I feel like that's probably what you need to focus on for now. That is going to mm -hmm. be the, the, that part is going to be the blast part you delegate mm -hmm. and you'll likely delegate that to an, an OBM after that person on your team has gotten really used to what your flavor is, right? Which takes right. a little bit of time. There is a learning curve there, but for all sure. the other pieces, including like how you want things edited, you might, you might listen to it on fast speed and just maybe mark down some stuff or some notes because I can tell you're a real control freak. <laughs> I don't know like an, a certain way. I don't know an but, entrepreneur that isn't, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not. I'm not, I would say. <laughs> I'm not. Because you know what, I have it. So I have an SOP template that I'm going to give you at the, give you to give to your audience as well. And they can get that at saranoket.com forward, forward slash brilliance. It's my SOP template. And what I do is I will, you know, are you familiar with Loom, the software mm. Loom? No. So Loom is basically a software that you can install on your desktop or get it as a Google Chrome app. And it's basically a screen casting program that you record and you record your screen, you record yourself going through the process, what files you're saving things in, how you're using your naming conventions, like, and literally walking through your to be team member step by step, how you like things to be done. And I would even extend that to whoever comes on your team to be very thoughtful of perhaps a master document where all of these details live that are keeping, you know, like one master document. Um, and then you have all of your ways of doing each part of the system documented in a loom video, right? And then eventually your OBM will take those videos, they'll watch them or whoever's on your team, like this editor guy that we were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, that there becomes a lot of back and forth. Like what, what's the back and forth that happens with them? Is it that you're sort of not happy with how he's edited it or he's like you mentioned about the timing, right? Like the spacing between things. Yeah. So the spacing between things. And then also another thing that I've missed is posting on social media is another okay. thing. Right. And I feel then like also that's the easiest part of the formula. 
That would be that the easy take time. part. Easy yeah. To delegate to a VA, easy to put into a system, easy right. to get them to pull some promotional stuff out of the real, whatever you say, like you mm-hmm. can do a dual thing there where you're like yep. two birds, one stone with that. Get that person to take, the VA can do that. Yes. The VA needs a recurring task. So basically, so one of the things that I love is automation. So once you complete a recording, you know, mm-hmm. then basically that's when the system starts really, right? I mean, well, there is the pre- accepting the person in and all that stuff, which is another system as well, which I think you've more or less got down pat, right? Mm-hmm. With yeah. Well, I feel like that's pretty much on auto. Needs to be documented though, right? Because like eventually that's going to be something that a VA can do, okay. right? It doesn't be yes. who's doing it now, right? It can be yes. somebody else. Yeah, my wife so is helping me with some of this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> you, got a, you got an email Full from disclosure. her. Right, we got, exactly. We got your she bio. And, and, I could, and, she, and she sent it with heart and... and but, but the way that she sent it is, was very good and mm-hmm. can packaged up and buttoned into a nice documented SOP. But that's like the pre-podcast. Then you have the during podcast, which is, you know, Michael needs a prep sheet. Michael needs to know details about the host, which I'm sure you got, right? Because mm-hmm. that yeah. system's carried out with love, right? But it just needs to be documented. So whatever, whatever she's doing, she just needs to do a loom as well. You've got mm. the SOP template that I'm going to give you and it just needs to be popped in there. So it's the SOP template is prerequisites, policy, procedure, like there are a whole bunch of P's that I go through and it's, it's really clear and actually very intuitive. But the important things to consider are like, what are your policies around things? You know, mm-hmm. so is there a certain language that you use? Is there a certain follow up that you do a few days before? And then so the second that you have decided that you want to have a podcast with somebody you then need to, so what are you using? Here's the, here's the million dollar question. What project management tool are you using? I am not using a project management tool. Okay. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> deep, breath, deep breath, Sarah. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Are, yeah. you, are you in Israel well, or are you in Toronto? How, how are you? Yeah, really. How are you even, like, how are you even functioning right now? So here's, I, so this, I'm just about to make your whole life a whole lot easier. And okay. your wife probably. And, and, and let me. Well, and your kids. <laughs> that would be cool. I'm all for all that. And I, and I want so, everyone to know I gave you permission before we yeah. started to tear yeah. my whole world to shreds. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you need to have a project management tool. Teamwork PM is the one that most certified OBMs work with because it's what we use in the training. Of course, there's 8 million project management tools. The important thing that I want to stress here is that you use a project management tool. So the nice thing about Teamwork PM is you can actually email tasks to yourself. So big picture, if we take a step back, here's how I see this going down. What's your wife's name? Jessica. Jessica. Jessica, like she knows, so she's maybe got somebody in mind for a podcast. She has a communication with that person. Great. Sarah's agreed to get on the podcast. Immediately what she does is she can email a task to Teamwork PM that pops it in the inbox. The VA sees that in the inbox of the project management tool and immediately puts into order a task template list. And there are, and there's a very specific way that I do it in my business where I'm very, I'm very anal about naming conventions. And I hope you, you will, you know, adapt this behavior too. like naming conventions are really important. So the name of the person, the name of their business, and possibly the date booked for the podcast, for example. And Mm -hmm. then the task templates has, you know, pre podcast, during podcast and post podcast tasks. And the VA 
has to know because, and this is why it's usually an OBM who does this piece because somebody who is really involved in the big picture and knows, you know, the publication dates, has an idea what your schedule is like, like somebody who is thinking like you knows what the dates are, pops in the dates, pops in all the due dates so that it's promoted on time. There are tasks to promote it. The VAs assigned to those tasks. So basically when that task list gets blasted up into the project management tool, and it's really one click because it's a template, it's a task list template, one click. And then person due dates are assigned to every one of those tasks. So pre-podcast, you've got sending out the invite, making sure that the calendar invite sent, making sure that you have time to do your due diligence before you have the podcast. Maybe Jessica sends out an email a couple days before or a good, you know, best if you can automate that kind of thing. But the pre-podcast stuff is more or less on autopilot. You even template the welcome email that she sends or even the invite email that she gets when she invites somebody to the podcast. So then there's during podcast. So the during podcast is, you know, you, after you complete the podcast, you notify the team that it's complete. You upload the recording right after to the specific Google Drive folder. Yeah. Please, mm-hmm. you need to use Google Drive. There's no more things living on your computer. Nothing do, lives on my computer. I do use Google Drive for everything yeah. all the time. Everything. Good. And, the, and a lot of the podcast stuff is on Google Drive. Right. So I want to see like naming conventions that match the project name and the project management tool. Because like, I mean, I'm a real stickler for that. Because also too, like I find if things aren't organized or if my team finds that things aren't organized and nobody wants to use the system, it's like, or at least I feel like that. I'm like, oh, I can't look at this. It's not like labeled properly. There's no, and always due dates. So we actually also have an SOP for creating SOPs. And one of our policies around that is that every task must have a person and a due date. Because you're going to give your team like the SOP to create SOPs. You want them to use the right naming conventions. You want them saving them in the right place. You know, let me ask you, like if maybe 10 years down the road, the whole brilliance podcast type business Mm -hmm. you're creating now, what if you want to sell that in 10 years? Mm -hmm. The name is hot. Maybe someone's going to want to buy it. Like and your whole, you know, everything that is. Mm-hmm. You want to have every, that, so that's the other thing, like for those of us and for those of your listeners who are planning on selling a business, some stage of the game, like no one's going to buy a business without any documented systems. Of you know, course, nobody yeah. can really bring on anybody into that. So back to the, during the podcast, you got your stuff that you do during a podcast and then post podcast, that's when you have the social media, that's when you have, you know, all your promotional stuff and making sure it goes live on the blog done and then possibly you know, putting it into something like social oomph or we use recur post to like re-promote that podcast once it goes live. So I want you to even take it a few steps further. You're creating all this lovely content. Why not have a system in place so that you can actually re-promote it like in another couple months or even once every month or something like that. So there's what like- is, Yeah. Is it, what is recur post? And what was the other one? Social um for Kerpos. It's like Meet Edgar. You know, you have all those social media scheduling tools that can recycle content in queues. I, I've never heard of any of this stuff. I know Hootsuite yeah. and uh, yeah, so it's like it's like Hootsuite on steroids because you can actually put things into a queue. So let's say like Monday, I want I'm going to set a whole queue of my recycled content of recycled podcasts I've filmed in the past, and then I'm going to put this on a queue so that every Monday at three o'clock. It's going to pull, randomly pull something out of this queue and post it on social media to like all of these different platforms, right? That, that's, that's automation. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, but once you, but do you see like, once you sort of like start to flush out the systems, then you can look at how you can really streamline and leverage 
automation tools like things like Recurpose. I like Recurpose because I find that it's the least expensive and has all the bells and whistles. Uh-huh. And also it's never really goes down. Like I've just had, I've, I've used other ones in the past. They're all great, but I, I really like that one. And I've also used a whole ton with clients as well. I've, I've used everything. So I would say that I think the other part that is really sort of the post podcast is that the editing piece, right? So the editing piece, you're going to have to spend some time getting clear on your policy around how you like things to be edited. And you also have to let go of being a perfectionist too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I just have to say it. Like, I'm not going to go deep into that or whatever, but like 80% done is done. And yeah. 80% done when you get to spend that extra four hours with your family or finding amazing other, like not just me, other amazing podcast interviewers, you know, like you can then go and you can do your thing and get spread the word about the podcast and yeah. not have to just focus on, you know, editing. Cause yeah. that's just, that's just perfectionism, procrastination from doing the things that you really should be doing in your business. And if you took three or four hours, created the system, cause look, the reason why people don't create systems as well is cause they're time consuming. That's why OBMs are great because we love systems. This is what we thrive on. We can sit and talk you through it. So when you're when you're even even when you're editing, like I want you to spend the three hours editing your podcast and literally on Loom talking your team member to be through the process of actually how you edit things, how you like things to be edited, how much buffer time needs to be in things, what you like, what you don't like, what you edit out, what you don't edit out, and then your OBM is going to take all of that and actually put it into a policy and document it so that next time the editor has to, to edit it, like it's really clear that they're following this policy. And then instead of you listening to the podcast to make sure it's perfect, the OBM will listen to that podcast and make sure that it checks all the boxes and send it to production, you know? And then you're like, okay. And you're not even going to like know the difference, right? And the truth is, is once you get these systems in place, and this is what like makes my literally the hair on my arm stand up, is once you get the systems in place, then it doesn't even matter because you're not even going to care. You're not going to know any different that, you know, maybe you would have done it like this or maybe you would have done it like that. What happens is that your team member does it better than you do it in the end. Once you've set your parameters, yeah. usually your OBM will be better and more faster and more efficient at doing whatever needs to happen in order for podcast to like come to life because you're going to be able to go and do something else. That's the beauty of this. Like you're not, you're really going to be able to let go of that control because you've created a system which leads to scalability, sustainability, and a controlled way and method of like getting this out. Then you're just banging out interviews. You know, you're doing your, your, the important part that only you can do. Like even the show notes, like when it comes to show notes, do you need to even be doing that? I, I need to tell you that you've blown my mind about three times over. <laughs> okay, so you blow my mind about three times over. <laughs> like, I wanted to pause you, but I just like kept you. You just kept going. Okay, so I've had some real ninjas on this podcast and some okay. real brilliant people. And that's why it's the Business Brilliance Podcast, okay? What you're talking about is like ninja on a whole other level. Really? Sarah, you... <laughs> You, you are a total like master ninja of systems. I don't, I find that, I, I don't know. This is just how I am. This really comes so naturally to me. Oh my God. Can you move into my house? Yeah. Like, well, I I'd be happy to... to talk to Jessica also. <laughs> yeah. I just want to take you and package you and put you in my house. So do you live in Toronto or do you live in Israel? 
I live in Israel. Okay, you live I in Israel. Live in so America. I'm gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna fly you in. <laughs> I'm gonna feed you all the hummus and food you could ever want. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously, so how did you? You've got obvious, like, real genius and real brilliance around this. So we don't know yet. How did you get into this? How did you get into this? So I think uh, I really got into it. Long story short, I mean, I moved to Israel for love, basically, and I got here and. I'm Jewish, so the government gave me free education. They're like, honey, go and go and go to school. And I was like, all right, I got a BA in humanities, York University graduate. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do my MBA. So I did my MBA and I worked in business development. I was micromanaged by my boss, but I also had a lot of flexibility because I had clients in business development and I, they were small businesses and I was helping them systematize basically English schools in Germany. I was working with these franchisees. Anyways, Long story short, I think I've always been a systems person, even when I, so when I lived in Toronto, because you can be sure I tried to get my husband to live in Toronto. We lived there for three years. We had a landscaping company, so hence the horticulture background. I oh. love, I love all that stuff. Cool. So my first business was actually a landscaping lawn care business, which is so, so systematizable. And that's exactly what I did. So it's sort of like, I think just my nature to be really systematic and to also really focus on like the easiest way to get things done. That's going to sound terrible. I'm not lazy per se, but like, I'm like all about efficiency. And also with my own agency, I have systematized my whole agency so that it runs without me basically. So, you know, even the OBMs I contract now, and I, I work with certified OBMs from our community with clients because in a sort of internship type role, because I want them to you know, gain the skills and, you know, quickly bypass all the bullshit that I had to go through. Cause I've been doing this for almost 10 years too, right? Like I've been doing mm -hmm. it for a long time. That was my runaround way of saying, I think it's just natural basically to be like this. And for you, OBM, for, you. Yeah, for yeah. me, but also yeah. the OBM community. So as somebody who, you know, sits at the sort of helm of the International Association of OBMs, part of what I look for in OBMs to be is this sort of systematic way of thinking. And anal retentiveness for, for organization and naming conventions. Like, I know that this isn't natural to anybody or everybody, but it is to me. And it uh -huh. is to all of the OBMs that like, it's like you immediately recognize it in other people too. You're like, oh yeah, you get off on like organizing and, and like whiteboards basically. Like yeah. that's yeah. your thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> and funnels. Like I love sales funnels too. That's sort of the other Amazing. kind of leg of this. Tell me, like, what is the what are the characteristics that qualify for an OBM? Like, what is, you're an introvert, you're a geek, you just love systems. Yeah, yeah, that all of that. So you're usually like, I would consider myself a pretty extroverted introvert. If that, like, I'm like depends on my mood kind of thing. But you know, you have to have a personality. You have to be okay working from home. Usually, we're moms. Usually, we come from some corporate history, or you know, you just have that sort of angst of. So a lot of the times it's VAs that will transition to OBMs, but that whole sort of pulling factor is wanting to be part of the big picture with the client. Like for me, it's really important to know what's the vision, where are we going? Like I need to not be, not always be in control of like what's happening in the business. Cause obviously that's your thing. You know, you're the entrepreneur, the business owner, you have all these great visions and ideas, but I need to really be in that big picture with you so that I can help to make sure that the team and all of our systems and everything that we do is like moving towards scaling that, moving towards building that so that the revenue is higher, the profitability is higher. You know, you have a better quality of life. Cause like, let's be honest, you know, I, I've been there. I've 
been, I've done the solopreneur gig. You know, I did that for a couple of years. And, you know, as a VA turned OBM, I started to really, and the, the, the training's also great. That taught me a lot about it as well, you know, back in 2012 when I did become certified. Um, and now that I'm actually teaching people to be OBMs, I'm like w more involved even. Because I think once you t learn, how to learn how to teach something, then you really understand it through and through. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's so much to talk about. I think we're going to need more time. I hope, <laughs> I hope you can do more than an hour. There's so much to talk about. Okay. So you, you want to finish the story? You go back, you move to Israel, you get the Yeah, the I got masters. my MBA, worked in business development, and then realized that I had this crazy-ass commute to get to work. I had really limited, because I didn't, I mean, I speak Hebrew fluently now, 10 years later, but then I'm like, I didn't speak Hebrew. So my job market was very limited. And also too, I had had the landscaping company. Like I always had that. I want to work for myself, make my own rules, like your listeners, entrepreneur, like I wanted out of corporate. And so becoming certified and starting this business was Part of me being re really resourceful as an expat living overseas, you know, my husband's Israeli. We live like in the north of Israel, which there's not a lot of Anglo jobs here. Like there's pretty much three different. I had a very like small pool to choose from. And also I wanted to do something myself. So then I started, I, I quickly from VA became an OBM uh, with my MBA in tow, with all my business experience, with a systems mindset, a marketing mindset. I'm also very much into t into funnels, you know, not just for automating like the day-to-day -day business, but also for like looking at the metrics and KPIs around sales mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like what do we need to look at to make sure that we're hitting our revenue marks, our team is hitting their revenue marks, like and doing what they should be doing, what can be delegated to somebody who maybe costs a little bit less, what needs to be delegated to somebody who costs more but does it faster, better, all that stuff. And it just is like been my world. Yeah. For the last, like, I don't even know, since 2012, my God. It's, it's optimization on crack. Pretty much. Like, that's, Pretty I think much. that's what you should call it. Forget the name OBN. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what I think is really key is one of the diff most difficult things that I had to learn as an entrepreneur was I'm not supposed to do everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, like number one, I'm not supposed to do everything. That took a while to learn because you arrogantly think that you should be doing everything for some reason. Oh, and that and that you're good at everything. Oh, yeah, and the idea that you're good at everything. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing was leveraging other people, right? A lot of people have guilt, a guilt complex, like, oh, I'm taking advantage of someone else if I get, you know, fifty dollars an hour and I pay someone else like eight dollars. And they think there's, right. there's an emotional trigger there of guilt, so they don't do that. Right. Uh, and that was part of that for me. And then the third thing I think would be is um, just kind financially. of financially. Yeah, financially money. to get around. Sure. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's money I can keep. That's money I would. Uh, exactly. I well, would yeah, bet. I'm going to save myself 200 bucks. But you yeah, know, if I just do this myself. Yeah. Eight million years doing it. And then. Exactly. Exactly. So then the other going piece. And doing that thing that's going to get you $200 in revenue or, for, you know, pay that yes. right back. Right. All I should be doing is my genius. Right. Or what people call your superpower or your super strength. Right. Or like, your genius like, zone. Yeah. Yeah. My genius zone. You know, like if I'm the business owner, then I have a vision. I need to execute that vision and let someone else handle the small stuff. Right. Also, yeah. I'm the I'm the most valuable asset in my business and me doing what I love is kind of what, you know, it's like why you get into business in the first place. Do you love editing your website? Do you love writing a blog? Like if you don't, then yeah. you should give that to someone else, you know? Exactly. So I think it's sort of on one hand us being honest with ourselves about what our gene, like I knew 
one of the first people I, so one of the first people I hired on my team was somebody to help me create the systems and document them. So just like I'm telling you, I would create those loom videos. I would sit down. And so one of the things I wanted to mention earlier was the reason why a lot of entrepreneurs sort of duck or dodge systems in their business is because they are damn time consuming to create and optimize and streamline. And, you know, it's sort of just like, it's also, I think a little bit of self-sabotage too. I find this a lot because a lot of my clients are like coaches and consultants and like, let's take the onboarding process, for example, like onboarding a new client, Uh you know, why isn't that documented? Why isn't that systematized? You do it over and over again. And every time you like tweak something, or maybe you haven't onboarded a client in a couple of months and then suddenly you have a new client, you're like, what, how do I do this again? And you're like having to re- reinvent the wheel every time. Uh-huh. So I think to me that's self-sabotage because if you could really put that into a system and take maybe instead of two hours, maybe three or four hours doing it that one time, then it's like the gift that keeps on giving because then someone else can take it over and they can do it over and over and over again. Every time there's a client, boom, they're onboarded or offboarded, right? So for us in our agency, that's like one of the easiest parts. And I think as an agency owner, one of the most draining parts too of having an agency that can run without actually feeling all of the emotional bullshit that goes on, you know? Mm also like offboarding and onboarding like it can be like tumultuous at times you know so you're like hand it over yeah and the other thing too is if you're depending on what kind of business you're in you know customer service is huge right customer experience is everything you know a great customer experience means the difference between retaining a client and losing a client right so having things like customer appreciation strategies or you know sending out a card or like sending a gift card or doing a special video or whatever right it's it's hard to nail everything in your business and maintain oftentimes, you know, the customer relationship. And so you need help to, you know, outsource. Yeah. And also, so one of the things I like that you're saying this, because one of the things that we bake into our client management system as OBMs in our agency, but what you sort of start to recognize, and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs have felt this, like there's a lot of trust at the beginning, then with any kind of virtual support provider, like uh, have a little bit of mistrust because you're not really sure what that person's doing. They're behind the scenes working on a system. You know, they, they produce something and it's amazing and it's great. And then they go quiet again because they're working on something else. So it's like that constant ebb and flow. So we've baked things into how we work with our clients, like making sure that in the times where maybe we're a little bit more quiet because we're working on something that we'll share a URL about something that's really relevant to that client or we'll give like, I love to call them like love nudges to our clients so that they know that we're still around, but we're, we're working on things. So it comes through like re- weekly reports to clients and, you know, also like literally baking in that human part, like sending a URL, like that sounds so lame that that's baked into our system. But like, if you forget to have those human touches and human connections Mm -hmm. with clients, you quickly result in loss of clients. Just like you were saying, you know, you have to be able to show face to your clients. You have to have those cards, have those certain nuances that are unique to your business, but do it in a way where it can be templated and done over and over again. Systematized. Yeah. Yeah. Systematized. Yeah. So that someone else can get it right if they come in or so that it happens like clockwork, you know, like right, you can, exactly. you can make a customer experience amazing every time if you have system. 
Right. If you're winging it yourself, like doing everything as a solopreneur, you're going to yeah. have gaps. And not only that, but you're going to be tossing and turning every night in bed thinking, oh my God, I forgot to do this. Oh my God, did I remember to do all of these things? And then you don't sleep, which leads yeah. to, you know, entrepreneur highs and lows, even higher and even lower, you know, and then you're, and then you're dysfunctional, right? Because then you're like tossing and turning, thinking yeah. about all of these. That's why project management tools are really important for our sanity, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. true. And, it, and, and so also to the light, the thing that I've realized over the years and something that's kind of brewing up for me as a business owner is ex exactly like the conversation we're having right now. You know, an OBM is not like a Band-Aid solution. It has to really come from you and your, and your business culture that you're emulating to your team, you know, being organized, setting, be, leading by example, you know. So I, I find that even with clients, there's a degree of like coaching that comes along or training on certain systems to make sure that like you're leading by example. Cause if you're not going to do things like even tracking your time, Michael. So one of the things that I get clients to do as a hit the ground running thing and something that I would recommend you and your audience to do is actually track your time. So I use harvest. There's also a Chrome app for that. It's free. You know, it's not even like something like these things don't even cost money. Also loom it's free. Like teamwork PM as a project management tool is like pretty inexpensive and totally worth every penny, but I think there's also a free version there as well. Track your time because what I've, and I do this also, I always track my time because as entrepreneurs, we're constantly thinking about our businesses, so it feels like you're on 24 seven, but when you actually track the time, you're really working on things and it also forces you to like stop multitasking and just do one thing and complete it. Like it uh -huh. sort of becomes our, a challenge to our anal personality and type A personality, just do it and get it done. Uh -huh. So when you start tracking your time, like, so I spend three to four hours a day max on my business. Not because I want to, because I have three kids, because I want to show up as a mom and because I have a like life, I want to do yoga, I want to do other things, right? So I really, when I actually track my time, and I work 24 seven, don't get me wrong, but when I track my time, it works out to three or four hours max in a day where I'm working. So well, it's shocking though, because I feel like I'm working 24 seven because I'm, I'm working within these confines of my own schedule, but, but it feels like I'm on all the time. So I think when you start to actually look at what you're spending time on and getting real about it, then it also starts to put into perspective like what you need to sort of get rid of first. So obviously you're cutting out, like getting, getting that VA to come on. There has to be a VA on the team before there's an OBM. And a lot of the times the VA can help with the systems template, getting some of the smaller stuff in place so that they can at least take like the, the promoting the, so, the thing on social media or mm -hmm. making sure that your recording gets uploaded or maybe like parts mm -hmm. of it get split up and sent properly to the editor. Although that's mm -hmm. kind of very OBM-esque as well, but you, you have to have a VA at first as well. Okay. Let me ask you a bunch of like lightning round questions. Okay. Let me get sure. some, let me throw some quick stuff at you and just give me some quick, simple, short responses. What is the word conventions you keep using? What does that mean? Okay, so when you're naming a folder, like let's say you have a Sarah Noked date folder of this podcast. So making sure that it's podcast, Sarah Noked date, and making sure that all of them follow this naming convention. So with our SOPs, our standard operating procedures where we document, it's like SNSOP, because we have also client SOPs, dash, name, dash, 
Like I'm just really crazy about making sure things like, for example, I was looking for my prep sheet just before we hopped on, I couldn't find the Zoom link that my VA puts together. And on that prep sheet is a naming convention. So I could easily find like search in Google Drive and find the podcast prep sheet for this interview. And then I was like, all right, good to go. You're saying your VA sent you a prep sheet for this interview? Absolutely. Because I have a whole system around me getting on these interviews, right? So I want to make sure that, you know, for example, like when you contacted me for this interview, I made sure that I booked it within the first two days. That's like a sort of showing that I'm really interested and excited about it, right? So that's like our policy, right? We have to book them right away. Then somebody on my team will audit. I mean, this is being really fully transparent, but we'll audit your podcast, who you are, put a prep sheet together, get saved in your folder. Also the, the post podcast is making sure that we know when it's going live so we can send it out to our list as well and promote it. And, and also, I also, so during like actually pre podcast. So before we got on here, we made sure we rated your podcast we threw some love up there. Uh, you know, I'm going to thank you after this podcast in an email. That's templated. Oh my you know, gosh. Right? That's amazing. Like, that's all systematized. So I, like, I don't like to think about these things because I thought about them once. I did it. It was perfect like it was. Now I'm just going to repeat it all the time. Oh my gosh. No one's going to know. This but is that's amazing. Like, I mean, it sounds so lame when I say it out loud, but that's the truth. That's how no. you want it. Wanna, it's amazing. Like I don't, and then and, and then if I'm not around, like obviously I have to show up for this interview. But there's yeah. there's a lot of parts and pieces in there that I don't need to be doing. Right? This is the only part that I need to be doing is showing up and having this conversation with you. Same here. <laughs> right? That's no, but really. Yeah. But that's exactly. where you will get to be, right? Because when yeah. you have a writer on your team that writes better than you. Oh my goodness. And you, right? Because let's be honest. Do you consider yourself a good writer? I consider myself an okay writer. An okay writer. A, a better writer out there. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the so after I hired someone, a VA to help me with my systems when I was pregnant, getting ready to have my first kid. I've got three kids now. That was when I started setting up systems in my business. And it became like a if I'm gonna be a good mom, I mean, and that's like again, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna mom bash or whatever, but part of why I do what I do is so that I can spend time with my kids, you know? Well, yeah, of course. And this is the amazing thing, actually. That was another difficult thing for me to learn was that I can spend four hours a day on my business and that's okay, you know? Yeah. There's a, a there's also like yeah, there's a lot of guilt around too, like, you know, about this culture of like, you have to work, you have to work hard, you have to put in 18 hours a day, 14 hours a day. It's like, well, hold on, maybe. Are you, I, are you sure you didn't have a Jewish mother? <laughs> I, I, I was raised uh, Italian culture. I was raised okay, in so same, very same yeah. Very yeah, but when you're aware of the guilt complex, yeah. you need to keep that in check because otherwise that stuff, that stuff can, can creep up and kill you. Oh, kill definitely. I'm, I'm seven years in business now. And I, and I remember my first few years of all the things I had to let go of. And my seventh year now is so radically, completely different on so many levels from my first few years. Our first few years were absolute freaking hell, if I were to be honest. <laughs> I didn't know a damn thing. I didn't know a damn thing about business. There wasn't a successful entrepreneur in my family. Didn't have any training or schooling. Didn't go to any college or university for business or anything like that. So that was, that was my world in my life. So yeah, like accepting and realizing uh, a job is different from a business and you get into a business for freedom and for opportunity right. and options. And you don't have that in a job, but in a business, mm -hmm. you can structure it and systematize it, set it up so that you're not running like a hamster on a wheel all the time, that you actually can have a life of freedom because of systems and other people and hiring better talent and management and 
all these things like that. So I'm very thankful and grateful that we're doing this episode and we're having this conversation because people definitely need it. www.whatsmyrefund.com whatsmyrefund.com is a website that will bring you to a tax recovery service for Canadians. This is a fantastic company that I've used over the years, and I think it's a brilliant resource. I just have to share it with you. Did you know that there are over $2 billion that the Canadian government knows they owe to Canadian citizens? This is a tax recovery service that will go through 10 years of your taxes for you on your behalf using a brilliant algorithm that they've created, which will quickly and instantly recognize in a short period of time if you have money that's owing to you from the government. They charge nothing up front. If they find anything, their fee is 33% of whatever they recover. It takes two minutes to fill out the application online, and you'll know within a short period of time if you'll be getting a refund. I myself personally have received over $3,000 from a refund, and this is after my father and I completed our taxes together. Oh, and by the way, my dad was a bank manager, and he completed taxes for people on the regular. Much love, Dad. Thank you so much. But this service is dedicated to your tax recovery. Go to www.whatsmyrefund.com. Let's go back to the lightning round and the 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 quick questions. Okay, we've talked about what stops people from hiring someone. That's that's awesome. What is the number one problem that you find that prevents someone from hiring or taking action on something like a OBM? Probably price. OBMs can be expensive. Expensive for the business owner who's not ready for one yet. So, hmm. you know, I usually say that for an OBM, the sweet spot is an entrepreneur that's making at least 10 to 20K in revenue a month at a minimum but the sweet spot is closer to 40 or 70K in revenue a month. Mm. So, and I say that because truthfully, you know, to really get a lot out of working with an OBM, you have to have that OBM on your team for a minimum of six months. And then once they're on your team for six months, they're indispensable because they know your business, they can really manage things. But you have to be able to like get to that point. And it can be a very frustrating for a business that, maybe doesn't have a proven business model yet. So the revenue is inconsistent. There's no real way of recreating whatever they're selling to sell it and make it like, so it's sort of like the double-edged sword because on one hand, well, you know, an OBM will come on and they'll help streamline things so that you can get to that point. But then on the other hand, it's like, it can be a little bit of a financial burden at times because, you know, been there, done that. Like you have to then account for the fact that you're, your expenses are going to be that much higher. So it's like if you you have to also be really aware of your best output in your business, right? So if it means going to conferences and showing up and getting business, you actually have to commit to doing more of that. So I find that a lot of the times an entrepreneur will bring on an OBM and they sort of just expect like more revenue and more profit, but they're not really changing their behavior. They're not then taking that time and going out and getting more business or creating that product that they wanted to launch or writing that book or whatever it is that only they can do in their business. They're maybe not doing enough of that. Then on the other hand, you know, there's my sweet spot is usually 30 to 40 K or even you know, like around that number, usually it's person with maybe a couple team members, they're the OBM in their business. So, you know, they've gotten their business that far where 
they are, they're still usually, and I, I, I like to call these people within the most loving way successful despite themselves because they are like in their own way. They're unable to kind of crack that 40K roof because they're still like doing everything on their own. And, but they also like are very kind of like, they don't trust anybody else to kind of come in and do it better. So it's like, it's a hard situation, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I find that it, it really comes down to kind of knowing what team member comes next. So for those listeners who are still, it's still in the solopreneur vibe, there ain't nothing wrong with that. It's time to bring on a VA. It's time to start to bootstrap more around systems and being clear about the things that they're doing in their business that they really don't, that a VA can do, right? And then Mm -hmm. once that's all buttoned up, then the next step is kind of bringing on the OBM to manage the VA so that they can go out and do other things. So the the OBM is making sure that things are getting done. The project management tool is being used, like the SOPs and systems, these are living, breathing documents. They need love. They need constant TLC. Like that's Mm -hmm. just yeah you know someone needs to manage all that stuff so you this is really great because i was going to ask when is someone ready to hire an obm and you answered that question so i really appreciate that is is an obm someone that you can just kind of throw an idea to and they can kind of take it and run with it like you just want to say like um okay your job is to like build a whole speaking career for me like one of the things that i think about is like i love speaking and Mm -hmm. i've been told i'm very good at it been doing it for about five years now and um you know i think about creating a whole arm of my business for me to just go speak conferences and events and that sort of thing absolutely so is that the kind of thing i can just throw to an obm and say like build a speaking funnel and a speaking career for me the page the video the the content like you know what i mean like obviously i'm gonna have to do that but yeah can I, can they generate ideas on how to execute all that or, or do I need to give them more of like a nitty gritty, here's what we need to do? Well, OBMs, I think in addition to like being really good at systems, they're also really good researchers. So, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to, you mentioned like you love speaking, you have done a lot of speaking gigs. Great. We're going to look at what you're doing, who you've had these interactions with. So one of the things as an OBM, I always put on my delegation hat. To be honest, I've not worked with a lot of entrepreneurs that, I mean, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs that are speakers, don't get me wrong, but not that just wants a system around speaking. Usually they're like already, you already have a system that's operating, but it might not be operating efficiently, right? So the system's there. So it's up to the OBM to kind of hammer out that system. But I would take it one step further and, you know, have the OBM managing some of the things that you really don't need to be managing, like the day-to-day, so that you can actually go out and maybe land some of those speaking gigs. Because I find that when uh, the entrepreneurs sometimes lean too much on the OBMs for the vision, right? And I can tell that you're very clear about your vision, you know? So if you're clear about your vision, then it should be no problem for an OBM. If you you have your vision, you have your goals, you have your timeline, you have your milestones, like it's just a project, right? So, you know, let's, let's, so what are our KPIs? So we know that obviously the more people we get filling out our form to get you to come on as a speaker, like, and then what are our goals financially? Like, do we want to move you into a paid speaking gigs? What's that at? And then I think also too, Michael, it's the selling from the stage, right? Like, obviously you want to be positioned in front of people where you can sell to mm-hmm. them. So it's finding, mm-hmm. it's that whole system. So are we going to use, you know, SMS, you know, how are we going to list build on that end? So it's also, it's not just the research, the system, but it's also the marketing mindset. It's something that we teach in the program. Like, I mean, I do consider myself a digital marketer sometimes, depends on my mood. 
how much yeah. I've been drinking. But <laughs> I also think that it's important always to teach and to, in, in our business with everything, as business owners, think with a marketing mindset, with everything. And that's something I learned from my mentor, Tina Forsyth and the association, like it was all about marketing mindset. So I, I constantly stay in the know of that. I want to say your marketing is great. Your online branding and marketing is great. It's how I found you and yeah. it's, it's how I got to you and do this podcast with you. You know, right. I, was, I was researching something like business management or something like several, several months ago and your thing came up and it was like, what's an online business manager? And I was like, oh, what is an online business manager? And I see this great branding, these amazing colors, these nice, you know, vibrant images. And, you know, you're a family person and your story is there and the content is great and it's relevant and it's answering my questions. And so I right away said, oh, this is, this is great marketing. This is great content. Content, great branding and then well, I'm in your you. funnel yeah and then I even bought a course for like you know 30 bucks just to understand yeah, what, what a online business manager so you've got is. okay so you've got the system starter course I think so, I do yeah did, yeah. So did you do it yeah I got halfway which is standard for me with all yeah because the videos are very yeah the videos are very short so I think you should get Jessica just saying to, to go through that program and to set up your Google Drive to follow those naming conventions Okay, here's the thing with my wife and I, we're very much alike, we're too much alike. I okay. don't know if you know the, um, we like Colby, right? You know the Colby assessment? Oh, of, course, of course. We're the same, we're both quick starters. So you're like, yeah, I'm a quick start too. I'm really high on the quick start. But you must be implementer. No, so implementer is not implementer in the actual literal sense. It's actually implementing is with your hands. So when you're oh. really low, it's like mechanical. Yeah, I know, I was like, I didn't realize that too no for a long time. Okay. Yeah, I'm big on the Colby. So, so as an, I'm very, very high on the research. I'm also really high on the quick start and I'm really low on the follow through. So I get it. I just, that's where I think it really comes down to sabotage because I'm also really high on the quick start. I'm a real visionary too. You know, I had big lofty goals for myself too, but I know that if I'm going to be able to get there, I need to make sure that I spend time making sure that I have a solid foundation in my business. Like that's to me, that's what that is. You know, mm -hmm. that's why I was saying like part of what we do with clients is we kind of have to, and it really is sort of a transformative experience because you, you have to change the way you've been working. You have to start to use a project management tool. You need to lead by example. You need to have, you need to save things properly. You need to track yeah. your time, but you can't expect your team to do that and not yeah. do it yourself. Are you familiar with the wealth dynamics mm -hmm. personality yeah. quiz? Yeah, kind of. Not, not as much as the Colby. Roger Hamilton? Yeah. Mechanic, star, lord, Yeah, creator, I've read supporter. people's because I get people send me their things because I'm cool. big on personalities. I talk about it a lot on my blog and in the program. Yeah. Send me their clients, send me their personality tests all the time. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. And that's good because if you can take that information and then build systems around that, right. then you're ninja and you're really providing value. Like if I yeah, could just I, do my thing that I'm good at, right. and, you know, and I align and with and that. And you clearly need to have time to play, right? So oh, the yeah. only way you're going to get time to play in your business and be that quick start visionary, okay, bright, shiny object. I hate that terminology, but I mean, it is what it is. Like you can play in your business only if the systems are buttoned up. Yes, I agree. See, this is the funny thing. I really, I have this one arm in my business where I have mentors and it's somewhat bureaucratic and somewhat uh, management, whatever, you know, corporate-ish. They say like, you know, just focus and stick to one thing. And I'm like, 
I hear you and I know I'm supposed to do that, but this other thing is so much fun and I really want to right. experiment with this and learn that. And well, because, no, you know, you're, yeah, but fair enough, but you're also kind of shooting everybody else in the foot because you're like, I'm going to be here with my bright, shiny object friends having fun in the sun. And I'm not, and then I'm going to be really delayed getting you the editing. And I'm going to be really delayed and last minute about doing this. Cause it's like Murphy's law, how time fills however much space you have. Like you're going to procrastinate about the things that are going to lead to efficiency with the team, like getting them the pieces that they need to put the podcast together, getting them like whatever that is so that you, there's no reason why you can't have fun and you can't be creative. That's where you're going to create new products and take your business to the next level in that time and space. Yes. You just need to be more. That's why I think the time tracking will be telling, really telling for you because it mm. always is for me because you're like, I really, I'm, I always shocked me. I'm like, I'm really only doing three to four, like, billable i mean it's billable to myself right but billable hours in my business so that would be yeah. like you spending time editing not you daydreaming on the couch about this product that you're creating like that doesn't count unless it's like serious business developing where you're mapping out and getting the project in place on a project management tool like kind of that obm because the truth is is that you have to be your own obm until you can afford one you know yeah, yeah. that's Clear. the truth or hire someone else on your team that can fill that yeah. that void yeah agreed you have to be your own management yeah. system first before you can have someone else you have to have some systems and you have to have enough revenue to justify it right you have to right. know your mission and your business enough that you can justify hiring someone else to come in and help you manage it right right i get this feeling and belief at this point that i can grow and expand and scale my business with different you know opportunities and arms that are still relevant to my main purpose and mission of course if i have the right systems and people in place mm -hmm. right like i get that like i said mentors are saying just focus just do this one thing and i know the power of one thing i understand the power of focus right i do also believe though that if i had the right systems processes sops and people in place then i could serve in this bigger way and I could do more. I could still do that one arm, but also create more value by doing this other thing, which is kind of an add-on and an extension. Does that sound crazy or what? Uh, not at all. And I think the other thing I would add to that is when you have the day-to-day -day on autopilot and all the bullshit sort of separates, you know, and like the crap rises to the top, whatever, you know, the gold nuggets you have at the bottom, like then you can actually focus on those because you have peace of mind and this is going to sound cheesy, but it's peace of mind knowing that like that operational stuff is taken care of. If the invoices need to be sent, if money is being followed up on, if, you know, whatever, whatever it is that's giving you angst, keeping you up at night, like once you can get that stuff under control, then you can really then focus on things that are important to you in your business, like having creative space. Like I'm very creative too. And it might even just be about like going out for a walk or exercising because, you know, you have the great or having a damn shower for more than five minutes without kids banging on your door. You know what I mean? Like just being in at peace. Yeah. Peace of mind is big for me. It's one of my top values has been for years, yeah. you know, partly health. Like I don't mess with my sleep. I always right. get seven hours, at least seven, eight hours of sleep a night. I think peace of mind from people, not just entrepreneurs and business owners, but people like peace of mind is super important. So I do have that. I, I, I wish more people had that. And I know that an OBM, yeah. the right person can help bring more of that as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the cost benefit?
benefit analysis? Because you talked earlier in the beginning about costs and you said price is one of the biggest things that hold people back from going this way and getting an OBM. So talk about the cost benefit and that analysis. So generally, you know, just to be full, fully transparent with your audience, because I think probably there are people wondering, well, how much does an OBM cost? And usually OBMs will start at about 65 US an hour. And in our agency, we're you know, we're far above that, but we also have a 20 hour, three month minimum. Usually our retainers can be anywhere between two to three K a month and it's for 20 hours, but they're 20 hours of systems building time. You know, they're like 20 hours of setting up automations, 20 hours of managing your team. Like it's those high functioning. It's not like 20 hours of publishing blog posts. You know what I mean? Then you have a VA that does that kind of stuff. So and this is what I sort of mentioned earlier was when you're clear about your vision and you know where you need to go to get in that extra revenue or have that time to create that course, like you have to also be very focused and dedicated on what's going to bring you to the next level as an entrepreneur revenue wise. So is it about getting more speaking gigs so you get more business, so more revenue flows, coming out with a new leg of your business so that you can start to work that on that yourself and have everything automated. So the entrepreneur has to be really clear about their goals. And then that sort of determines the, I guess, the ROI. Because if you can then go and get another, so for example, you know, if it costs you 3000 a month for an OBM on your team, but you can then with that extra time, go out and close that gig for 10K or close that gig for 20K. It's really unique to everybody's business. And, and I always teach people that you really have to be very candid about these things at the beginning. Because I think a lot of the times people think they're going to bring on an OBM, they're going to save the day, they're going to go on autopilot, but really it's not for everybody. Like you have to want to either, so it's sort of like scaling yourself out of the business in the, some, for some people, or it's scaling yourself in the business for some people. And it's also about like doing bigger and better things in your business. Maybe you have a VA that now you need to manage and like, oh my God, like I'm spending all 10 hours a week managing this VA and having to mentor that person. And you know, you got to show your team love. Well, it's not for everybody too, right? OBMs tend to also be very people, people, people. You know, I'm a, I'm a real people pleaser. Like I consider myself a recovering people yeah. pleaser to a fault, you know? Right. So I have to be very aware of that too, along with the guilt complex and all that other stuff too. And yes. the money mindset, you know, and saying, yeah, it is what it is. They're, you know, it's not. And most of these OBMs, they, you know, they're investing in their training. They're investing in digital marketing to become an OBM. It's not cheap. The program itself. I mean, and again, you don't need to be certified to be an OBM. There's lots of OBMs out there. Mm -hmm. But your program is a certification program that teaches and trains and passes on what you know and what you've learned. Right. And mentors and nurturers, just women and men. I mean, there are some men in our community, not that many. I think there's like four. Funny enough, our big conference this year is in Vancouver, which I'm really excited about. So I will be passing through in November. <laughs> oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in Amazing. Toronto a lot. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, okay, so let's say somebody's ready to hire an OBM. What kind of qualifying questions or interview, what, what do they look for to hire the right OBM for them? Well, I think first off, it's personality. Like, because with an OBM, it's about a partnership. So you have to really click personality-wise. So I always interviews. I don't ask personal questions, but it's like, hey, what do you like doing on the weekend? Like, are we going to be able to shoot the shit together? Are we going to, or is this person going to irritate me to no end, right? So first and foremost, it's personality. Most OBMs have great personalities, right? <laughs> um, 
And then I would say making sure that an OBM is sort of aware of the tech that you use. So a lot of the times when I'm coming on to a new client's business, I'll I'll usually be aware of like 40 to 50% of the technology they use, like podcasting, for example, like there are tons of different platforms. There's new ones all the time. People like to try different things. So it's about knowing some of the tech, not all of the tech, but also making sure that the person is willing to learn tech because you know, as an OBM, there's VAs on the team that actually do the implementing, but I still need to know exactly how things work. I need to be able to test things. I need to make sure they're being used properly, used to the best of their ability as well. So the tech is a big piece, making sure that they're at least proficient or ready to learn. And then I would say like experience, you know, so if you are maybe, you know, on the lower end of the spectrum, you don't want to invest as, as much as, so you're going for somebody who's maybe fresh. Now, a lot of the times these fresh, so to speak, OBMs, still have like tons of corporate experience. A lot of them had businesses before. So also keep in mind that an OBM is running their own business. So we're also very entrepreneurial, right? There's like a degree to that, right? We're going out on our own as well. So I think it's experience. And then obviously, if you're talking about something like speaking, like you mentioned the speaking piece. So if there's a certain vision or goal that you're focused on, I would look for somebody that has that characteristic. There are OBMs that specialize in things, you know, Mine happens to be digital marketing, which is why I'm really aware of what it looks like for other people and what that experience is and how my opt-ins work and how my funnels work. Like I'm putting, that's my storefront, right? Of course, it's got to be like top notch, but there are other OBMs that do only systems. There are other OBMs that do only like marketing stuff or do only accounting even. Like there's a lot of bookkeepers turned OBMs as well lawyers. I've had like everybody. I mean, it's all, it's a lot of women that are trying to escape corporate to be home with their kids. Right. Like I can say that for myself too. Very, 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 very cool. Very cool. So different OBMs have different specializations. Is that right? Yeah, I would say. Yeah. But, But also the purpose of the OBM is for them not to do everything. It's for them to hire and manage someone mm-hmm. else to do. Yeah, that they have thing, to be right? really great delegators, really great leaders. They have to have the right mindset. So that's what we that's the big sort of crux of the program is leadership and mindset. Because you're leading yourself, you're leading the client and you're leading the business and the team mm-hmm. and making sure that you're speaking with conviction too, like and backing, you know, like as an OBM, if I'm managing a launch for a client, like if something goes wrong, it's on me, right? Like, I mean, I'm not going to be able to point a finger at anybody else on the team except for myself because I'm also taking responsibility for the things that are happening and making sure that everything is going as it should. Here's a crazy question. It's interesting you mentioned that they're responsible for something or they're responsible for part of like a launch, for example. So does right. that mean that some of them will work on commission as well or like hourly yes. plus commission? or yes. So there's a lot of OBMs that don't even work hourly. Like that was just sort of the rough scope of like a lot of us work in packages. But yeah, the other piece is we call it the like incentive, basically working off incentive. So I don't recommend doing this from the onset with anybody. I usually in the program, I'll say, you know, work with a client for six months or a year, get a feel of their products, their temperament, their personality before you decide to do the incentive thing. Because I think one of the things that attracts OBMs a lot is working with startups, which is like, I say, hell no, because startups, you know, don't meet any, don't check any of the boxes, but because we're service providers, we feel like we need to help everybody, you know, but meanwhile, you're not really helping yourself by working with somebody who's not really at that level. So, Mm. yeah. That's really key. That's really great. I'm so glad we had this piece of the conversation because I could see, you know, OBMs going, yeah, let me work with this startup or or, or startups hiring OBMs. Right. And then also I could see some entrepreneur like me five years ago or 
something like that. I'd be like, well, instead of an hourly rate, let's just work on commission. And it's no, like you said in the beginning, no, no, no. You need to understand yeah. each other. You need to get to know each other's systems, processes. Because like you don't, you know, that's like a crazy, really, what are you going to share profit with this person? Like, you know, then you start to become very resentful. <laughs> Been there, done that, you know. I mean, I had employees for a long time. So the nice thing about Israel is there's tons of Anglos here like myself who are hungry for this kind of work, working from home, being able to tra fly home whenever they need to. So I had a whole team at one point of employees. But then when I started doing running the certification program, I obviously could benefit from the fact that people were paying me to train them and then I could outsource to them. So it just changed my business model, even becoming a trainer. That's awesome. It's really yeah. awesome. This has been really enlightening. Yeah, I really thank you for doing this. I, f I thank you for doing this work. I thank you for having this training program for training people. And I thank you for teaching entrepreneurs and sharing with them how to make their lives easier, their businesses more simplified and profitable and life more enjoyable. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. <laughs> My pleasure. You've given us a ton of resources. Is it, before we go, is there anything that you want to give or say or share to our audience? For next steps for a lot of your listeners, I would say download Loom, start to screencast what you're doing. You don't have somebody on your team. You're going to have to start to document some steps so that you can bring some people on your team. And also to just to speak to hiring, because I know that this is also something that a lot of people put off. Like there's, it's just like having kids. There's never a good time to hire somebody on your team. It's never going to feel like, oh, the floodgates have opened and now it's time or like whatever. Like if you're feeling like you need to hire someone or you're in that position where you're debating, Usually it's time. So you don't need to bring on someone full-time or part-time. You can hire a VA for three or four hours a week or a month, or, you know, like you don't need to hire somebody for like tons of time and have it be like this whole financial drain. Like, but you really have to start taking deliberate steps towards systems so that if, if, and when an OBM does come on your team, then it becomes even more fun to streamline, get the tech in place you know, almost really, really then be able to scale. So just start with the first few steps, which is document what you're doing. Like there's no excuse for that. Even if, even if it takes you three hours to go through your whole podcasting process, document that three, four hour session. Who cares? I mean, as an OBM, I'm going to watch that shit on four times as fast. You know what I mean? I'm going to blast through that thing in two hours, right? Because I'm going to watch it on double the speed. So don't worry so much about time or inconveniencing people or being perfect about your system, like all of our systems have flaws, they're living, breathing things. So good thing is to just get it out mm -hmm. and, and save it somewhere in a normal place with a recognizable naming convention. Bada boom, bada bang, as they say, right? <laughs> Amazing. What I'm hearing is allow it to be simple by simplifying it. Spend the time to simplify it yourself, document the process, yes. and then give it to someone else. They'll tweak it, improve it, make it better streamline yeah oh yeah so do you have like a directory where people can hire like let's say we got people yeah. listening to this and they're like i'm ready i need this oh my god do you have oh, a directory yeah. of people to choose from com. that's the international association of online business managers it's hire an obm.com okay. they can there they can see the directory they can set out a request for a proposal so they can submit an rfp to our certified obm community and that's what's so great. So Michael, if you're looking for someone who has a speaking edge to what they do as an OBM, you're going to have those people reaching out to you, you know, and you might get one that's a little green, but is hungry and enthusiastic and has spent some time doing their due diligence to know who you are and also to make sure that it's going to be a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I like it. I love right. it. 
Tomorrow is uh, a conversation I'm having with an OBM that I found in your community, in your directory. We won't name names. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm excited. I'm, I feel very much more equipped now for the conversation. Good. And Good. what to do with this person. That's um, exciting. That's great. I'm going to keep you posted. Yeah, you, you better. I will. <laughs> you might have to hire me for a speaking gig. Yeah. And, and I might have to bring you in to talk to other entrepreneurs that I know. So. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Well, I'm, I'm getting into doing more of that, less, you know, still with the OBM community, but also being able to spread the wealth and the automation goodness. Amazing. Really incredible. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. That was really invigorating. <laughs> Woo! Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Business Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Michael Santonato. If you liked this show and you want to know more, then check out the businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Give us some feedback, drop us a line, or if you know a great guest, then let us know. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week when we talk to another great entrepreneur and talk about their business and what makes them brilliant. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Let us know at our website, businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Have a great week and stay brilliant. And subscribe for more great episodes.